it's an odd time for the world, uh, much less the Augusta County sports fan. But all of the sports that we're used to taking in have been put on a uh, postpone, which is just something that never has occurred in my life and many people's lives. I mean, into this right, we did never see anything like this. So this is a weird time. I don't know. I, I don't, it's weird going through each day, not at least looking into sports, checking on a score, having it on in the background. Because at this time of year, it's the main focus of my entertainment. Welcome to the Yak Sports Podcast with Joe Deck and Leela McRae. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Yak Sports Podcast. I'm Joe Deck. Leela McRae is with me. We waited for the VHSL meeting, and we did get some information. It's not a final decision, but we've got three options presented to us now. And those options are going to be Model 1 means that the VHSL leaves all seasons as they are. Only what they call low and moderate risk sports, golf and cross country, would take place this fall. That means no football, no volleyball, no field hockey or cheer, all of which are deemed high risk. Model two is we flip fall and spring. It would allow all spring sports with the exception of lacrosse, which doesn't affect every high school in Virginia, to be played in the fall. Model three is kind of everything all at once a little bit. Uh, You have the winter season happening December 14th through February 20th. The fall sports will be played February 15th through May 1st. And the spring sports will be played April 12th to June 26th. So those are the three options. You'll notice none of those options leave football in the fall. Yeah, that was the main thing that came out today. And and every indication, um, I know some people were able to witness the meeting somewhat directly, I think virtually. Um, but there was no talk of, there was no options where football was being played this fall. There was no talk of anything other than these three models. They, it seems like they're, they're locked at these three models. They voted to move forward with these three models and vote on one of these three models on the 27th. There for a little bit, it looked like it was gonna be a week later. Um, but the 27th is the day, but Less. I mean, let's just. I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to any other sports. I love going to volleyball games. I'm I'm happy for any cross country athlete, any other the other fall sports cheerleading, everything. Football is is the big ticket item, and that's what we talk about most on this podcast. So I'm not going to beat around the bush. They said no, there's no football in the fall today, and that's huge news. And I think there has been a little bit of an underlying current on Twitter saying. Well, it's not final yet, and this no, they're not having football this fall. Like, yeah, no, football is done. And if well, just it, because there's not the answer you like, don't don't just make up an out that gives you football anyway in this fall. What you need to be hoping for is that model two or model three happens, where you get some football at some point this school year. Yeah, and I, I got to be honest, the the no football in the fall is not surprising. I think you and I were both no. prepared for this, and if you weren't, you're just not plugged in and paying attention because this was the most obvious thing. I think there at the beginning, um, back when they said there's going to be no spring sports at all, you and I both said at that moment, you better hope there's football. That's what you better hope. And I think about a month after that, you and I both realized, well, football in the fall is probably not happening. And I've got news for you. All these people saying, well, this doesn't necessarily rule. I, I haven't seen that. I'm, I'm glad because I probably wouldn't have been able to keep my mouth shut. But uh, And I've done that with some other people today that are talking about, <laughs> you, well, and me both, brother. <laughs> you need to play this. You need to do this during the fall if you can because 
it's about you know not taking away more sports and high school hasn't had sports since March 15th or blah 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 and I I can say this confidently because this person's not gonna listen to the podcast but this is a person who I would almost be willing to bet my bottom dollar isn't wearing a mask out in public so it's more about something that affects him financially versus anything else um he just needs to if he's honestly that worried about it he should be doing everything he can to stop the spread of the coronavirus because at the end of the day that's what's going to make this decision and i've got news for you these models are options if kids are in schools if kids aren't in schools you can take all these models and options and throw them in the trash because there will be zero sports absolutely zero and it's not a guarantee that we're going to have kids in the building because despite the common myth going around that kids can't get the coronavirus kids can't spread the coronavirus yeah, they can yes they can it's been proven there was a story today that a high school football team had to cancel practice because kids and coaches caught it tested positive that's kids and coaches which also spoiler alert the coaches and the teachers this is the other problem with that argument even if kids couldn't catch coronavirus which they can that you're already wrong but saying you know what i'll give you the one wrong point you have you can be wrong you're entitled to your wrong point again i can't are stress you, this is, enough are people entitled to that i i can't stress this enough <laughs> you're wrong already but ignoring the fact that you're wrong teachers absolutely can get this and spread it and then when you have a substitute teacher shortage which you do have in a lot of places then you're going to have to shut down the schools anyway if a coach gets this it's shut down sport over because if your coaching staff has it and has to be quarantined you can't have practice and if you can't have practices you won't be able to have the games so sport over done my logic that, I, that I'm applying to all this is I want to go with a plan that best suits for not knowing what we're going to deal with, particularly in the immediate future, in these next couple months, just because we know how much things have changed in the last couple months. And I don't want to start something and then stop it, because I think that, in a way, might be more destructive than not playing it at all. Like, I, I, I think the hope and the, you know, the... The, the mental aspect for these for these kids. I mean, that, and that's what the VHSL is trying to do is back to act in the best interest of these kids. That's what they're that's what they're saying they're doing. So and I'll, I'll just take it at that. I think money is behind a lot of things, but OK, they're doing what's best for the student athlete. That's why I think Model 3 gives the best option where you're just putting everything in the spring. Do I like it? No, I don't love it but it's about the best we got. And that just gives us more time to see what this virus does. And then there'll be some kind of plan of how to get all these sports fit into those short times that they've already laid out and go from there. Now, what I like op model two, where it flips spring and fall, I think, yeah, that'd be awesome. It'd be awesome if we could have sports this fall, but it doesn't go well into this. See what happens, not start something and have to stop it. Cause I just have this feeling that at some point this fall, Things are going to get even worse than they are now. I was saying this in Mar in May when we were talking about all of this. What was the worry looking ahead to fall? You know, it seemed like, okay, there's going to be a second peak and all this and looking at October, November and all these colleges have now made plans to get their kids off campus by the end of November. Yeah, Thanksgiving, they go home, don't come back online from there. 
well, well, now we're already peaking and it's July. So I'm worried of what November will bring. Will it be worse than we're already at right now? Will it be equal to where we are right now? Either way, that doesn't seem good for these high school sports to be able to be completed. So just switching fall and spring, it, it sounds like a nice idea if you can keep these kids more distance, which maybe we'll touch back on that here in a second. But I just don't think starting and stopping it is going to be a very good situation at all because then people are going to really feel cheated when it's stopped. And then when can they get going? Do they have to get the season finished when they are able to get things going back in the winters? It's just going to be a mess. Just you've punted all summer, VHSL. You've punted all summer. Model 3 is the ultimate punt. Just get out of here for the fall. We have some schools that are going to go on campus or, you know, to the actual school. Some kids and apparently in Richmond are not even going to school. Just stay out of here. No sports. See you in the spring. Hopefully it can work then. And, and that's the ultimate punt. And I just think it's the wisest way to approach this. If you are indeed caring the most about the student athlete and those around the student athletes, buy yourself more time. Every, Model 2 doesn't do that. Model one is just doesn't give you any hope. I mean, it just takes football away. It takes football and volleyball away uh, you know, for our local schools. And, and yeah, a, a, and, a host of sports And, and there, then yeah. you don't have it, period. And that just, that I'd hate to see that be the option. So I, I think model one is the least realistic option that they're going to pick. I, I would be shocked if they yeah. went with model one. Uh, because it again, seemed like the bad news option, like, hey, we could do this to you, but instead we'll do one of these other two. Yeah, yeah. model one is basically saying we think schools will open – and we just don't want this, yeah. these sports to happen. Um, model two is we think schools will be open and we'll flip the sports. And the sport that's going to be just totally wiped out is the sport that is probably least participated in among VHSL sports. Lacrosse. And then locally, like none. So, yeah. I was going to say, unless you live in like Richmond 757 or Northern Virginia doesn't really affect you um yep. so and i don't even think all the 757s in richmond have them but anyway option three is as you said it's, a chance. it's the one that gives you the best chance because you're waiting until late winter early spring to even start sports and again for sports to be a realistic option i think you have to be as close to normal with kids going in the building and going in the building regularly i don't even know if the you know, the staggered start that seems to be the most popular option among getting kids back in buildings is going to work. I, I, I don't know if you can do sports in that kind of frame. So I, I think I, I agree with you. Option three is the best option in terms of trying to get as many sports as possible. And look, I made that financial argument comment. Do Leland and I, from a financial standpoint, want high school football? Yeah, because the radio station we work for, that's what's best for it. Is this was today's news good for that? No, it's oh. bad. It's bad. Um, for my happiness and my wallet, not having full fall sports is, is not, not good. good. Yeah, but and, I don't want to be rolling back in my house with coronavirus. So and, and also it. there are other things that are more important. It's the health of the kids. Again, the argument that kids can't get this is wrong. I know it's wrong. Doctors know it's wrong. It's other people that haven't figured it out yet, and I don't want to trust, you know, YouTube medical degrees on whether we do or don't play sports. So I'm going to trust actual doctors. I'm going to trust actual 
the VHSL has the kids' safety in their in the best interest here. And if they say, hey, you know what? It's not safe to play football in the fall. Okay, yes. Is that ideal? Far from it. But am I going to accept that? Yes. I've also prepared for this information. I've got news for you college football fans. Buckle up. Because Michigan and their emails they've sent out to ticket holders is using the word if we play football. If they knew they were going to be playing football in the fall, they wouldn't use the word if. That word is in there very specifically because they don't know. And the just playing conference games is a fool's errand. That's saying we're going to shrink the number of games and hoping maybe that works. It's not going to work. You're not going to have college football this fall. Maybe you have it in the spring. You're not going to have it in the fall. You might as well buckle up yeah. for that information right now. And some of those college football pro, I mean, the Ivy League went out last week. Patriot League, uh, FCS uh, League there already went out. Hampton University chose for their school individually to sit out. I mean, at the beginning of the week, I thought, heck, we might see the CAA dive out of this by the end of the week. Now, it hasn't happened, and I haven't seen the smoke from that. I've already seen yet. I've already seen JMU talking about maybe they only play conference games, so I would assume that's a CAA thing. But Yeah, but, I, but you're not but going that's to. conference only. Those other leagues I just mentioned just dumped fall sports. Yeah. And, well, that's what's going to happen. The other the other conferences just haven't made that decision yet. It's what's yeah. happening. They just yeah, haven't. But it's there. already happening, and that and that's and that's the thing. So it, it's all going to come together. But in the least, we now know there won't be any high school football, and that's huge news. And yeah, hey, sucks. Nobody likes it. Nobody wants that. Feel bad for the students that have been working towards a fall season. Now just hope that there's hope for the spring. That's, yeah, that's where just I hope there's high school sports, period. And again, you, I think you have to look at Model 3. Model 3 gives you the best option for to getting sports in the year 2020, 2021, that calendar year. That's your only option, in my opinion, in reality. You're not going to have high school sports in 2020 at this point. It's 2021, and you hope you can condense them and get them in. I, I don't understand these people on Twitter that I saw today. Like, well, all these kids that potentially have scholarships – and now the VHSL has gone off and made this decision. They better be suing. Like, where, where's the legal stand? Like, where, where is that logic? You're like, going to get that just, case thrown out what? in a hurry. And I just hope the judge finds these people who bring those lawsuits as frivolous, yeah. frivolous lawsuits. And they have to pay everyone money for wasting their time on having to come in and listen to it. I ho- actually hope they get fined whether they have the court date or not, whether it gets thrown out or not. Because I want them to understand what a frivolous lawsuit is. And I want them to have to pay for wasting everyone's time for having to take the time to read the lawsuit because it's a stupid lawsuit. And these people on Twitter that say that are literally dumb. There is no stepping around. I'm not going to, you know, tiptoe around it. Those people are just straight dumb. You don't sue over the VHSL taking safety into account just because you can't get through your thick head what's happening here in the world. That's not the VHSL's problem. That's a you problem. This is bigger than high school sports. It's bigger than college sports. It's bigger than pro sports. It's bigger than your quote-unquote right to not wear a mask, which doesn't exist. It, it's bigger than that. This is about health and human safety. And if you can't get that, again, I can't help you. You're too stupid to be in the conversation and make a decision. I, don't, I also don't think get their point of frame of mind where – are these colleges not going to recognize that the VHSL didn't have a season? Yeah. Look at your junior year or, you know, and, and right now, no seasons have been canceled right now. There hasn't at the end of the month there, there might be, but right now there isn't. 
I, I don't, I just, people are, are weird. These colleges it's, it's a weird are going time. through it's an odd the time. same Like I said thing. at the top of the show, my quote from March 16th, that's what the opener for this show was. It's an odd time. And it's just continued. I mean, it's it's been, what, four or five months of this now. That was the third month and we're in the seventh month. Yeah, four months. These, so. these colleges are going through the same thing. They're not going to look at this and go, oh, you didn't play a senior season yeah. of sports? Obviously, They're we're not going to give you an option. Yeah. <laughs> Well, again, these are just people that are too stupid. They can't grasp that something bigger is happening other than them being mildly inconvenienced and the world's out to get them and people they like. So It's just a reminder, too, that sports on the list of things that matter. Well, down that list look, I said for, this, for I said this, I believe, maybe, two weeks ago, and I, maybe I didn't say it on the podcast, and I've just said it to you, so I'll say it on the podcast now. Would it suck for college athletics to go away as a person who loves watching college football, college basketball, college baseball, college softball, that stuff? Yeah, yeah it would absolutely suck. But if it made us prioritize what's important and we couldn't have college athletics for one to two years because they needed to recover financially from not being able to support it and colleges had to reprioritize and we had to relook and examine, hey, you know what? Actually, colleges are these academic institutions first and sport places for students to play sports second that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world because we do have a problem when i'm on twitter i see that as a huge problem that we forget why we actually have colleges at times or some people do yeah fair point um we do have uh moving on topics we held for the podcast today we have a lot of good stuff coming up we have some talk about that Washington football team and the NFL and their name. Uh, we'll talk about in the B block with Steve Cash, uh, our special guest there. Let's move on to another topic. All right, Leland, let's move on and talk about the big hire at Wilson. They have hired Kamani Crawford to be a part of the men's basketball team. There is an assistant coach. Um, first woman, I believe in the area, at least I'm not sure. Uh, I didn't have a chance to click on Patrick's article about it in the news later today, but uh, I don't know if I've seen a woman assistant coach on any sideline that I've ever called a game for. Yeah, I think only can be applied confidently. Uh, the first, it's hard to, it's hard to say if this is the first woman to assist with a team in the area, um, but it's great. It's, I mean, you've seen it at the NBA levels, uh, college levels. You've seen the women's, um, usually former players or women coaches, uh, getting involved on the men's teams. And, and I like it because obviously uh, there's a lot of men involved on the women's teams in Patrick's article. He mentions mm-hmm. how all but one of the local teams are coached by men. So it's great that it's also going the other way. Um, it opens up the possibility for more jobs for more people. Um, and I, and I love it. I love that coach Hartman used his connection with this player knows what she's going to bring to the table. And it doesn't even hesitate of including what she can bring to the table for his for his team. I love it. I love the decision here by coach Hartman. Um, and I think it's a, a great hire. Um, and, and a lot of that is based on the fact that it is at least a touch tra- trail break trailblazing. I, I, I think that means a lot to me and ha- raising two daughters. Um, you know, I think it means a lot to me to see opportunity for women, um, in different roles than what we're used to seeing. So I, I'm excited about it. The article only reinforces that. I think it's a good hire. Um, she obviously has the resume, the familiarity with Coach Hartman, and um, I think it's a good move on his part, and uh, I think it's it's a great look uh, for that program in our area that uh, that we have that happening. Well, and I think when you're looking for assistant coaches in particular, what you're looking at is somebody who 
you feel you can trust and is dependable. And this is somebody that played for him already. So he has a, an idea of what she was like in high school. Um, now she has gone on. She's done other things. And she's obviously very knowledgeable about basketball because Coach Hartman feels confident to put her on that staff. And yeah. if, if he feels that she is knowledgeable about basketball, has a good head on her shoulders in terms of leadership and ability to coach up his team, why would you not? So I think that's the yeah. other the other positive aspect here. And that's what we should be looking for, especially at the high school level when you're looking at assistant coaches, people who are going to direct the kids in, a, in the right way, do what you want in terms of, you know, X's and O's, but also be a good leader uh, in terms of how to act and how to behave when you're on the floor. Yeah. Great influences all around. It just gives me more hope that here in like a generation, a lot of these things that we think are trailblazing, a lot of the, my reaction right there, which is natural and I think mm-hmm. yeah. good intending. Um, it's going to be, you know, I talk to my nieces who are a little bit older and, and understand differences in people already. And like the differences that you or I are kind of like, oh, that's different, but we're good. And then the generation older than us are even a little, are, are hesitant. And then the generation older than that don't like it. You know, I, I think just each generation brings on, you know, more acceptance. And um, I, I think it's great. And I think it's a good example of that. And this, this one's pretty straightforward and basic and and doesn't seem like it needs much convincing. Um, but I'm glad it's happened. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. And, uh, I can't wait to see if, if we get basketball, I can't wait to see it. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, speaking of, if we get things, uh, it looks like major league baseball and the NBA, they're getting close. (sighs) The NBA has already had players. Uh, there was a Kings player. His name escapes (laughs) me. Um, cause he's not important, but, He's already been quarantined <laughs> twice um, for violating the bubble. Um, Did you see him? Like he tweeted, he's like, "Oh, here's the tip. You just got to call this one yeah. of the food delivery. You just got to meet, meet them him outside. at the door. Yeah, you just got to meet him at the door. Yeah. yeah. I was like, no, because like, you're still violating the bubble, suspended. you yeah. stupid idiot. Like, <laughs> yeah, God, it, it's just so he's obviously not the brightest player in the NBA, and. uh, <laughs> Russell Westbrook has tested positive and uh, it's just, I don't know. It's, it's weird. It's I, I, they're going to play. I hope it works. The NBA has a much better chance of working than major league baseball, in my opinion, because even if major league baseball starts, despite the opt outs and despite the potential positive tests, the second a team goes through the airport, you run the risk of them testing positive in a day or two and then having to shut things down. And it's just mind-boggling to me how stupid of a decision it was to not play in bubbles for Major League Baseball. I know people laughed when you said, we're going to put all 30 teams in a bubble in Arizona or in Texas or wherever. But if you're breaking it in, you have your schedule pods, basically, the East, the Central, and the West. To me, just having those teams play in a city in the East – a city in the central yep. and a city in the west yep. makes the most sense. And yes, that means you have yeah. to somebody's going to have to play at an odd time at 10 a.m. or whatever to get games in. But look, it, well, it's going to be different. What if you did it in one of these, like each one? Like you have okay, and, and I know a lot of these places either are or have had a hot spot. But like in L.A., there's two baseball stadiums. In Chicago, there's two baseball stadiums, and in, in New, New York, York there's, there's two, two baseball, baseball stadiums. stadiums. Like, yeah. what if you chose one of those places that would help that issue? Yeah, that's true. Um, I just, to me, it's, it's stupid. It's, it's, 
Major League Baseball wanting to honor the regional TV deals because that's what matters to them. It's the same reason we have blackout restrictions on MLB TV and Major League so Baseball stupid. can't so understand stupid. can't understand why you can't get younger fans to be interested in your product when you make it harder for them to get it. it, it it's Rob Manfred. The blackout and the, thing is the stupidest thing. And the dinosaurs in charge of baseball that, that can't see into the future and see what is painstakingly obvious to every other league of how the transition is to streaming and younger people cutting the cord on cable. Major League Baseball is going to die with cable companies because they're dumb and they're unable to adapt. Uh, and it's probably why we, we didn't go with the bubble idea in Major League Baseball too, because they couldn't wrap their head around, wait, you don't want us to have fans and you don't want us to play in our park? Um, they're just dumb. They're dumb. And if it fails, I just hope that the owners lose so much money that some of them have to sell the teams to maybe younger, smarter people that will – put the changes that baseball needs to grow in, in charge because these people can't. Mark Cuban's always looking for a team. Yeah, but they won't let him have one because he's younger and he's got innovative ideas <laughs> and, you know, changes the devil. A quick hit here. Something that was discussed a lot here early in the week, uh, Lena Deladon. Uh, she oh, plays yeah. for the Mystics. She was the MVP last year. She has had a history of with Lyme disease. I mean, she has Lyme disease. Mm-hmm. And her doctor said, hey, you are at high risk. You should consider not playing. And she said, well, I don't want to play. But then this panel of three doctors that, what, to be fair, was approved by the league as well as the labor union. So, like, there is some work in the opposite direction there. But they said, no, Lyme disease isn't a good enough reason. You got to play or you won't get paid. I, what is the WNBA doing? I mean, they I, just let Deladon do what you want. This year is going to be weird no matter what you do. You're going to lose money no matter what you do. And, and I understand that that league is one that can't lose money. Like, it's, it's, it's a bad situation. It's going to happen, though. Do whatever Deladon wants. Treat her different. If LeBron comes and says, hey, I ain't playing, you shut your mouth. You do everything you can behind the scenes to make it happen. And then you, yes, sir, we want you here next year. And that's what they need to do at Deladon. And I don't understand what the WNBA is thinking. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, it. Lyme disease is a legit medical issue, so I, yes. I don't get the reasoning behind saying, no, it's not. Um, money, 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 yeah. money. Those well, doctors are influenced okay. by money. Is the WNBA going to be allowed to have people in the stadiums that, like the no, NBA is so not? not? Okay, so who cares? They're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't. I think the people who are going to watch the WNBA are going to watch the WNBA, whether Elena Deladon plays or not. It's your best player. If it costs you a few, a handful of fans for the bigger picture of she comes back post pandemic and is able to play and is completely doesn't have to worry about this. I think you do that. Yeah. 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 And she's happy. Yeah. This, this league has lost Maya Moore, who was a legit superstar already with other issues who just dropped out and stopped playing basketball. Why would you maybe potentially... players going to Europe to play to make more money. Why would you potentially piss off your best player in the <laughs> league over this just to maybe have her say, you know what, then I'm never going to play again and go do something else where she can probably make more money? Yeah, I don't get it at all. They need to get, they need to get their mind right. All righty, Leland. Well, let's talk about... The All-Star Race, is that what we're talking about here with SRX Superstar Racing Experience? No, we can talk about the All-Star Race quickly, and then I'll, I'll take us into that. But the All-Star Race in Bristol, it's uh, Wednesday night, correct? And uh, that's going to be awesome. Short track, All-Star yeah. Race, 
Matt Benedetto uh, did pretty good last week in his race at the Brickyard. He uh, got up to third. Oh, where he I finished. didn't see that. Yeah, third place finish. Um, doesn't look great for his chance to get in the playoffs, but we'll see. Yeah. Maybe he can well, do what, something cool in the All-Star race. What I was bringing up was the SRX. It's called Superstar Racing Experience. It has, it's it's a new racing um, league, I guess, that they're trying oh, to, or, yeah. or events. Six Saturday nights starting next summer. Tony Stewart, Ray Everham are the big names that are behind this. And there's some other names that are, George Pine, the former NASCAR COO, and Sandy Montag, the, an agent. But anyway, they're putting money behind this, an effort to start this, where you get six weeks, six Saturday nights in the summer. Um, they're going to design the races to be in sessions and, and really get the whole thing in within two hours. They're going to be on short tracks. They're all not going to be pavement. They already have CBS uh, for TV for it. I It's... It's interesting to hear the ideas. I wonder if the innovative ideas from this, like getting some of these races in in two hours, <laughs> I think NASCAR would benefit from. Um, I maybe you know exploring some non-pavement tracks. I, I don't know. I think it's interesting enough for me to talk about it on this podcast. Am I going to watch? Probably not, because I'm not watching the NASCAR much anyway. Because I just motorsports just isn't my thing. But having names like Tony Stewart, Ray Everheim behind it, I think will draw some some um, legacy NASCAR fans, the guys that have always been NASCAR fans. I think they're going to tune into this on Saturday nights. Now, I imagine they're going to pick the right Saturday nights not to conflict with NASCAR on some Saturday nights in the summer. Um, I think that would be smart of them. But it's it's something that's happening. It seems like the worst time in the history of Earth to start a new sports league. <laughs> considering the ones that started before the pandemic weren't really going great. And we watched a, a football league a year ago, a year and a half ago, completely fall on its face, unpandemic related, completely fall on its face. That's football to have a new auto racing league seems surprising, but uh, that's, that's the plan. And we'll see how it goes for Tony Stewart in the game. Yeah. I could care less how this goes. I hope it fails. Cause it sounds like <laughs> something else. I just couldn't care less about. <laughs> well, but let's move on to that's the uh, expert analysis you get from the experts podcast yeah if you're here for superstar <laughs> racing experience uh sorry you but, didn't watch the big tbt final tonight the big uh the basketball tournament you didn't watch the big final tonight no and yeah and i the, didn't either in the list of things i could care less about but let's get to something i do care about and let's bring on steve cash All right, B-Block time here on the Exports Podcast. Last week, we had great news about Graham Cash getting engaged. So what do we do this week? We bring on his older brother who's already married and, and talk to him about sports. So, uh, Steve, thanks for coming on with us. Steve Cash here. Uh, he's been on before when he beat all of us at, what, like a bracket or something? Yeah, Pick fantasy up. football, maybe? Fantasy football, something. So, uh, yeah, thanks for coming back on again. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. So one of the reasons I wanted to get you on, I mean, I asked you to come on when I thought we were going to find out a new name for the Washington football team. Then it turned out we only found out that we the Washington football team has no name. But uh, I still wonder what's your opinion about um, about the name change, but then then diving into what some of the possible names are. Um, 
I mean, I, I'm, obviously, I'm I'm fine with the name change. I mean, I've been a Redskin fan since the day I was born. I mean, my whole family's Redskin fans. Um, but you know, I think you know, just like when they changed to Stanton High School around here, you know, if if it's um, if it's going to offend people that are have stakeholders that are invested in the, in the team or in the school, then, you know, like, let's, let's do it. Let's do what's going to be the right thing to do. Um, so I'm, I'm fine with it. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are really held up by the history piece and all that kind of stuff, but you know, the history of the Redskins in the last 25 years, I don't know that there's necessarily something we want to hang on to, to be honest with you, the way they perform. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> maybe a name change is what we need right now. I, I always assumed the name would change at some point. I always thought it was going to be directly tied to getting the landed RFK. Now I have heard this week that that is around the discussion of all this right now, but it doesn't seem like, I mean, it did, that's not what motivated this. It was FedEx about to take a lot of money away out of Dan Snyder's pocket. Um, I mean, I don't know. I guess I always knew it was going to change. So like, this isn't shocking to me. I honestly thought when they first said something, I, it was Patrick Height tweeting about it I was I, I didn't see all the uproar and the reasons it was being talked about I was like this is the same old thing we've seen this on and dance before yeah I think the fact that there was the money piece yeah. got thrown in there you know and I think that was kind of the root of the original logic of getting moved back to DC and all that I mean that's all rooted in money decisions and financial yeah. decisions so um I think that's pretty much uh, what drove this whole thing um and you know for whatever reason it is if it's the right decision let's make that decision so we've seen the names like the Red Tails, the Red Wolves, the Warriors, a couple other names thrown out there. I mean, I think the podcast has an official which one we're rooting for, but what which way are you leaning? Um, I mean, I, I think anything that starts with red is a little easier um, because they can retain that R portion of the logo. Um, even if you have to edit it a little bit, um, you know, there's, there are several older logos that have the R and you could just keep that going, especially if you're going to maintain the color scheme. Um, I didn't mind the warriors. It's fine. I know I, at one point they were saying that Dan Snyder already owned the rights to that anyway. So that would have been a little bit easier transition for him, but as far as merchandising and stuff, and maybe they don't want that. Maybe they want it to be different. Maybe they want, um, you know, something totally fresh so they can make money off that merchandise. I don't know what they're thinking, but. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think my, I would lean towards the red tails, um, just because that kind of checks a couple boxes. Um, but I don't know. What were you guys thinking? I'm more of a red wolves fan. Okay. The yeah, fan stuff, logos are the, hot. the fan logos were amazing. I saw another one and I meant to send it to Leland and I didn't, but the, the latest one that I saw a fan make was the one with the, uh, the, there's a wolf howling and then behind it and like a silhouette kind of deal is uh the capitol building with a maroon w and three stars to represent the three super bowls at the top of it i was like that looks super cool they'll never do it because a fan made it and so somebody else is gonna have to try to do outdo it and they'll probably fail because nike will be involved i'm sure but um i i I like the red wolves i've liked what i've seen out of potential logos and different things and plus it allows them to keep the color scheme i think it was hard for me to take that seriously because i saw so many memes that came out of that when they released that idea of red wolves and it was like the nwo uh wolf yeah from wrestling sure. and you know just all these things that came out of it and i i don't know 
I think that just I, maybe I wrote it off too soon because of that. But I haven't seen all the fan logos that have been put out there. I'll have to check them out. You're we'll, about to be inundated with it. Yeah, I we'll put it in the group like. tweet <laughs> message. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm uh, preferable to the Red Wolves. Uh, and I, somebody else had a thing of like, you can call the fans the Wolf Pack, kind of like your NWO thing that you just referenced. Um, the stadium could be nicknamed the Den. Uh, and it goes through all this stuff. The Alpha would be Haskins, and the Omega would be Malone or whatever, and it just went through all these potential wolf puns, I guess, you could play on, which I was like, sure. I mean, I doubt that has very much to do with this decision that's going to be made, but if whatever helps people adjust, I guess. Right. I, I certainly think it's better to get away from the Warriors. Like, I don't – I guess I'm just tentative about anybody naming their team after anything to do with any people because, I mean, that's what's got us here. Like, let's – and so, like, I mean, the Rail Tales is fine, and I don't think that is going to turn negative. I just I just maybe think it might be good just to have an animal or an inanimate object and just, <laughs> like, have it be that instead of – and that's, I mean, that's a good point. You know, you, you have people that were wearing hog noses and whatnot, you know, that there were something, you, there was a, a gimmick there. Like, what are you going to, where, where's the gimmick for um, red tails? You know, or I, I don't, I just, the wolf thing is a little easier and lends itself to that. Yeah. You, you'd have a mascot that comes out there and all that. Really uh, dicey with the red tails really quickly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and my wife Karen and I were talking about, you know, what other possible changes that could happen. Um, and, you know, her being a Steelers fan, I think she's pretty safe. And then we, we said, that you know, Virginia Tech Hokies, it's pretty much just a made up mound. So it's <laughs> pretty good, too. So I, this will probably be the only drastic change that I'll have to deal with. Yeah, the Baltimore Oriole is extinct, so I don't think PETA can <laughs> say that we're offending Orioles. So we should be good there. Those ravens are pretty offensive, though. Well, you know what? When you walk into a murder of ravens, Leland, very rarely do you come out alive. So uh, if you're going to like, come seems correct. Seems like we've come out on top more times than that, but that's fine. Whatever. No, that's false. Um, I believe we swept you this year, and we knocked out your quarterback and knocked him silly. But anyway, let's but move his, on. His name was like a deer. Like Whatever. Mason Rudolph. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. I get it now. Uh, Baseball is Allegedly coming back, Steve, uh, you know, I guess it's not official until it's official, but the Orioles and the Red Sox will play each other in Boston, which is offensive, but um, hopefully the <laughs> Orioles can win. Uh, but I guess w- the main question I'm going to ask you is how excited are you that baseball is finally able to come back? I'm very excited. I, I love it, you know, for all of this lockdown that we've had of just been watching old baseball games, which has been great. I'd love for them to keep that up through this, you know, forever. Um, just the nostalgia of seeing those games that we watched when we were kids. Um, but I'm excited about it. And I think because of, um, you know, the drama that surrounded the Red Sox a little bit in this past off season, mm-hmm. that um, I'm excited to see, you know, a lot of times that makes these guys hungry to come back and prove that they're, you know, not what the media has made it seem like. Um, and we'll, so we'll see what happens with them. But I'm excited about it. Okay, so you touched on it. What do you think of it? What do you think of the Red Sox cheating scandal? And they didn't nearly get as much blast as the Astros did. Yeah, you know, and it's 
and maybe that's why they were the second ones through the door. So they didn't get, you know, hit quite as hard. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I'm glad core is gone. I'm glad they at least got a clean slate. I kind of wish they hadn't put an interim tag, um, on, on the manager because I, I, I would like them just to make a decision and run with it. Um, but I guess that it also leads them another built-in punt if it doesn't go well with the talent they have on the on the field. Um, I think their issue is going to be pitching. I mean, it was their issue last year, and they had some star power on the pitching staff. They don't have near as much of that as at this point, um, and a lot of question marks. I mean, sale out. I mean, you don't really have that true frontline starter right now. Um, but you have that core of young guys in the outfield, and and there's a lot of talent on the field and a lot of young uh, minor league possibilities that are coming up through there. Um, so maybe those guys can just kind of bond together because of all this controversy and all the, uh, the hype around, did they cheat? Did they not cheat? And kind of show people that they're, they're a team and they can play better. Um, you know, despite, um, the cheating that apparently happened, happened. So with it being a shortened season and you mentioned the interim tag on the manager, I think that's because they're planning on bringing out a score back. I, I think they're just going to bring it back. I, I don't think Boston has any problem with what happened. Technically, they said there was nothing wrong with what he did in Boston, and he's being suspended for his Astros stuff, not the Boston stuff. It's possible. It's it's hard for me to imagine a world where the fried chicken beer thing happens you know, years ago, and they get rid of Terry Francona because he's lost – the clubhouse and that's, you know, just guys being, you know, just stupid guys in the clubhouse and making bad decisions. This is a little bit more planned uh, issue that happened and you're going to bring him back, you know, and he's way less proven um, over a long period of time than Francona has been. Um, I don't know. It's just, and you have the same ownership making those decisions. So it's hard for me to imagine them bringing, um, bringing him back after what happened. Does it cheapen the World Series in any way to you? Not really. Not with what I've heard so far. You know, if, if five years down the line or even just, you know, a year or so down the line, we hear more information about what happened. There were more people involved and um, there's more evidence that comes to light. You know, then I'll feel bad about it. But, you know, I think I mean, it was a talented team. Both, ta- both teams are talented um, and they, you know, they played well. I don't know. It's tough. I hate that because I like my teams to be teams of integrity and, and, and always think that we're going to do the right thing and just scrap it out to make it, to make the wins happen. Um, and you know, to think that that might not be the case, it's a little tough to handle, but hopefully it was just, you know, one or two guys making bad decisions and, and and not consistently throughout the season. So with it being a short season and I'm taking the Red Sox out of, out of it, what team should we be watching this year? If, uh, if you're giving advice for baseball fans, I mean, you're talking an Orioles fan and a Pirates fan, so you're not going to say one of our teams. So what what other team than the Red Sox are you kind of watching this year to see if they can do something? Well, I think the Dodgers have all the pressure in the world right now. Um, you know, they have bets now from the Red Sox on an already loaded team. And there's an, I don't even think there's enough positions on that field for the amount of talent that they have. And so how they had that problem, though, for a while now, too. How it's that, gotten even worse. It's worse now. Right. And how that's handled, I mean, that's going to that's gonna make or break the season. Um, you know, I look at, you know, before they started dealing with all this this COVID stuff, I mean, you know, the Braves were hot last yeah. year. Um, that's who I was going to have and, high. 
And, and the thing about the Braves is that their players, people like Freddie Freeman, you know, if he can get, get back in there at some point and be even close to what he normally is at the beginning of a year, that guy's hot for the first third of every year. And then something derails. But if he could just sustain for a short amount of the season, they could they could cruise. Uh, and they've got young arms, too. So that's what, I mean, that's what it takes. They got it all. They got the pitching. Uh, I, I, the Braves are the, my team to watch. Yeah. yeah. I, I think mean, the shortened season brings a different factor in than what we're used to. Oh. But I'll, I'll take them. Yeah. They've also the Dodgers got some players are the obvious out, though. easy choice. Um, but the Braves, for me, are the, you know, that's the black sheep to see what, what's going to happen. The dark horse. I don't know. I, I think the players opted out, opting out for the Braves are going to be key. And then Freddie yeah. Freeman, whether he's able to come back or not um, in, in time to kind of make a difference there in the first week or two of the season. Um, I don't know. I, I would I say mean, in a shortened season, more so than ever, it's really imperative for teams to not be able to have a rough week or two weeks. Uh, yeah, that's a good point. I, but with the, you know, with the Braves, Felix Hernandez, you know, they were kind of rolling the dice on him. You know, people like that. You know, they had they brought in some older arms. Marquez um, was a and, key player and, though, and he's and he opted out. He was a key player in that lineup and an, an everyday player for them. So him opting out is is a blow to that to the batting order, especially. I'm, who who was it? Marquez? Is that who you yes. said? Yeah. Well, they have some young guys coming up though. They have some guys that they're. Not quite as hype as Acuna was, but you know they are, they are saying that they are they, there's an outfielder that's close, and if if they give him a chance because of Marquez not being there, mm-hmm. I mean maybe that's what they need. All right, so switching lanes a little bit and more based on your profession and uh, your expertise there, you uh, have recent history helping out with the Fort and JMU uh, marching bands drum lines, and and you were in the Virginia Tech marching band drum line. Um, talk about what, how you see, obviously let's just assume that they're able to march some, that the kids are able to march some, how, how do you think this, the restrictions they have that we've, we've heard about, and maybe you might clarify some of those or, or talk to some of those. How do you think that's going to affect these kids marching band experience this season? And, and, and how tough from like a planning side, I, I know you enough to know, even though you're not jumping in the middle of the Forts band this year, you've still thought about how you would handle something like this. Uh, talk about the like the high school marching band aspect of the extracurricular activities this fall. Well, I think a lot of it comes down to obviously the VHSL decision of what's going to happen with sports, um, because a lot of what the um, Virginia Band Directors uh, Association is doing is basically waiting to see what VHSL does. Um, they kind of released their uh, regulations and restrictions based off of those as well. Um, so they're allowed to to do things right now. Um, but it's on a very limited basis and there has to be social distancing. Um, I think it has to be at least 10 feet apart. I think that's the regulations. Um, originally they were doing smaller groups of, I thought seven to 12, but I think they've kind of, once the, we went into phase three, uh, and the larger gatherings were allowed. Um, I think that they have kind of backed off that a little bit. Um, so I think they're able to get together and do things, which I think is huge for, kids to be able to do those things you know as long as it's being done in a safe way and everybody can stay safe you know let's let let those kids get back into those social um experiences and be able to to be with their friends and bond and i mean everybody needs that um from a planning standpoint it really changes a lot because if you're planning a show i don't think a lot of people understand that you know 
you know, people watch marching band shows on Friday night and go, oh, it's great. There's a lot of money that's invested in that. And, and a lot of the money that's invested in that happens in the spring of the year before that. Um, and so you're talking shows, you know, or even around here, you could be investing anywhere from a thousand to three or four thousand dollars in a show that may not happen. Um, and I can, you know, I can speak firsthand from Ford that that money has been exchanged already that will be used for a show that won't see the field this year because you're not going to put that much time and effort into, into a show that you're not even sure that's going to happen. So they have to go to plan B and then they have to start putting together a different show that costs less money um, that can be pulled off in a short amount of time with all the restrictions that are put in place. And it's just, I mean, it's a logistical nightmare right now thinking about the what ifs of what could happen. Um, in addition to all that, you start thinking about, well, even if they are allowed to go into the stadium, what are you going to spread them out through the stadium to play while the game's actually going on? Um, are you putting them in the end zone spread out? Well, you know, all the logistical things of that as well. So it's not just are they going to get on the field to do those things, but are they going to be able to be an active participant throughout the game for the whole for all four quarters? Um so, you know, there's all that. And then, you know, if if for some reason they would end up moving it, you know, I've heard we've all heard rumors of college doing it or high school doing it, or, you know, our shortened season in the spring or, or flipping it to the spring. You know, there are some schools in Virginia that have already made that decision to do that. Even if it's not for football, they're going to do a spring marching band league down mm. in the Hampton Roads area. They're, they're, they're actively starting a. Um, a mar like a marching band league is what they're calling it. And I don't know if they're going to play for soccer games or whatever options they have. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a lot and it's affecting a lot of people's lives. And I think, you know, there are people that are full-time show writers. That's what they do. And those people have zero income right now because of all this. So it's, it's interesting, you know, like you just don't think about how football and sports and all those things affects everything else that is connected to the Friday night experience and, and then the trickle out effect that happens from Saturday competitions and all those kind of things. So talking about those Saturday competitions, uh, is that, and maybe you don't know the answer, but is that what they're talking about with this marching band league? They're going to have the marching band competitions in the spring down there. And then what does that do in terms of, cause normally that's when your concert season's going on. So are they going to try to do that in the fall instead of the spring? You know, I, I think, it really, a lot of what happens um, with, I think it's going to be kind of a just make it work situation as far as the concert portion goes in the fall. Um, because well, you have the same you know, problem. Yeah. Right. It's, I mean, it's essentially you're practicing in small groups because you're going to have, you know, currently with the model we're using, it's every other day you're seeing kids, you're not putting kids all together and it's just going to be tough. It's going to be tough. So I think that's kind of the, the idea um is to flip it to the spring um and then offer what you can to the kids that aren't interested in marching band um and then you know just again just make it work but the, you know the great part about it is like obviously i'm a little biased with this but band directors are great at adjusting on the fly and and making it work for kids um to give them the best experience that they can you know these kids that are going to be seniors and are, are having these experiences um for the last time potentially um, you know, the, the band directors want to make sure that they, their senior years and something that they just hate thinking about that they just, well, I had a great experience because of the adjustments that were made. And we have a friend that I have a friend that was going to march, um, 
uh, in some big time parades. And, you know, they don't know what's going to happen with all that at this point. Right. You know, there was like a buddy that was doing Macy's and, you know, everything that is involves big crowds. You just don't know what's going to happen now. So another question in terms of Saturdays, and you talked about marching shows and all the planning that goes into that. Fort, if memory serves, Fort has a pretty decent sized band, uh, especially representative of the size of the school. Um, I, I know for other bands like Draft or Riverheads or Gap or something like that, where the bands are smaller size, the 10 feet apart's not necessarily an issue. You can do that fairly easily with the number of kids they have. But with Fort, that's actually a difficult task to be able to spread the kids out. If you're trying to even do a show, if you're allowed to do a show, but you have to have them that social distancing, um, that's a difficult task. Uh, I mean, you're, you're saying, you know, another quick show and try to spend some less money. Maybe uh, to me, that's going to be like super difficult. And then trying to move the kids around and be like, okay, everybody, uh, we're going to do this move. Also, you know, 16 count of 16 run like <laughs> and play. Right. <laughs> so. right. And, and there may just be a lot of just, Stand and hold more music, more, yeah, <laughs> yeah, more music, less movement. You know, that's yeah. going to be kind of what, where it goes to, um, you know, and there's, there's, they lowered the time restraints, uh, as, as far as the information I've received are correct. Um, the show is supposed to be around 12 minutes long, 10 to 12 minutes long for a normal marching band show. And they're talking that you can bring your show down to even five minutes long for competitions wow. for this year in the state of Virginia, which is good. You know, at least we're trying to do what's best for kids and still give them experience um, but yeah, it's, it's crazy. And, and to think about the travel stuff, you know, if, if you're the bus restrictions that are in there and then the financial ramifications of that, if you are traveling, whether it's a football team or marching band or whatever, and you normally take two or three buses, well, now you're taking what, six, seven buses and you need more bus drivers. And I mean, it's just, it's a wild time right now. And there's so many question marks, um, but you know, I don't think any of it's Everything we've just talked about probably ain't going to matter, is it? <laughs> like, yeah. Not in the fall, at least. Well, like, and the that's... spring stuff, maybe. But, like, whew, it's just it's too much. It's too much on everything. And we're talking about marching band here. Every week we talk about football and then allude to other sports. But you're talking about marching band, and you just went into more detail than we go about any of these other sports. And now you got to do this for every aspect of these kids going to school. I, ju- I just don't see how they're going to. I don't see how they can get it together because everything is so fluid and like, there's no, there's no set. All right. This is, this is the time we can go and we're done. By the time you get a plan in place, it's all going to change anyway. And then probably for the worse, the way things are going, it's just crazy. Well, I, I think that at least on our end as teachers, what we are seeing is they're trying to put, at least put some like multiple systems in place. Um, yeah. That kind of can go into a phase two option, a phase three option, a full on classroom option, and that we can just kind of roll in and out of it within our own classes, knowing that these things all could be options this year. Um, and, you know, everybody's class is different. The needs of their classes are different. Um, and that's that's the same from sport to sport as well, too. You know what those people are going to need. They're going to need to have a plan for every one of those phases that they go into. And hopefully the coaches are being are able to um, plan that now instead of waiting until, you know, assuming that spring's going to happen exactly the way it is, uh, has been, it's probably not a smart decision. So I'm hoping that the spring sport guys are already thinking through all those things now, because now's the time. So, and I, I mean, you mentioned buses too, and I hope Jeff wasn't mad at my reply to his comment, but he, And I don't even remember if it was a VHSL post or somebody else's post that he commented, you know, well, if there's all these social distancing, how did teams travel on buses? 
with all these social distancing things. And I, you know, I just commented with in, in regards to football and I, I just commented, I was like, well, they don't like, that's why this is a moot discussion to have at this point about like, oh, well, you know, with social distancing, you can still do all this stuff and, you know, we'll see about games and we'll, we're waiting to see. And I'm like, oh, you can say we're waiting to see, but the answer is you don't like you can't. If, if you have the rule of one kid per seat on a school bus, you just can't have a football team on a school bus. It's impossible. You can't do it. Well, and then you get back, excuse me, to the, um, the, fi- the financial ramifications of all that as well. Yeah. You have, you know, if you have a gate that's coming in at a big time school, whether it's at a college or whether it's at a big high school or whatever it is, that gate being removed is not going to help the situation no. cause more issues. I mean, it's just, it's tough. It's tough to think through all of those things. Um, and, you know, but right now, I, honestly, it's if we can somehow safely give kids some kind of outlet, you know, that's if we can do it in a safe way. I mean, I, ho- I hope we're taking all the precautions. You know, it's easy to, you know, we've heard about, I've, you know, just today, I've heard just some rumors of stuff that's going on at colleges around here that they're making uh, testing optional for the athletes that are working out instead of making it mandatory. Um, but then having other things that are mandated that are, that they have to stay in place, but they're, they don't have to be tested. I mean, it's just, uh, it's, it's frustrating to hear because if everybody would just kind of follow the rules and do the, the things that they want, that they're asking <laughs> to do as far as the regulations just through, you know, NCAA and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, you know, maybe we have a better shot at, at seeing the season this year. Yeah. Well, that's already, it's not- that's already been blown. So, um, moving on <laughs> without sports being a thing. And even though we talked about baseball, maybe come back, coming back next week, what have you used in the meantime to fill the sports void? Uh, so competitive stuff. I mean, we watch, you know, that's probably the most involved in the hot dog. Me and my wife are boxing now. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Uh, I downloaded a golf app on my phone. I, you know, this is where we are. So. Uh, no, we, we, we watched, um, it, it, you know, maybe I'm kind of making myself sound ridiculous here, but they have the MTV challenge, which is out there. And, uh, you know, they said that the ratings for that show have been the highest they've been in a decade because people just crave competition. They want to see people competing and that's what they do on that show. It's a survivor type show where people competing for, you know, a million bucks or whatever it is. And I mean, you just do what you can at this point, you know, if you can get out and play around a golf every now and then and watch something on TV that can kind of scratch that itch a little bit, then you're, you're good. All right. I'm going to hit you with a couple questions that, um, that take care of us for, um, the last couple of weeks, Joe and I have kind of been sharing experiences and it's been received well. Um, and in all honesty, I've talked about you a lot and then my answers, uh, but I want to get your uh, stuff. The first one we'll do is what we're going to be talking about in the next block with Joe, Joe and I, but we're going to have a list, but not counting lane stadium. Cause I believe that's your number one answer. What is your favorite stadium you've been to um, in your life? It's tough. I think you're going to hit me with one of my bucket list stadiums. So, <laughs> I mean, to be honest with you, when I went to Fenway, I mean, that was, 
the first time was a very surreal experience because you know you see it on TV and know the history behind it. But you know the first the first game, I was probably in about the sixth inning before I ever looked at the field because you're just looking around um, at, at the you know the structure of everything and and just imagining all the big games that happen in the stadium. Um, I mean, I love. It sounds ridiculous. I wish better baseball was played there, but Pittsburgh Stadium is great. Yep. Um, PNC is the, the best. The, the background there is just so nice. Um, but it's, it's good. I, I, but I, you know, those old stadiums, um, Fenway, I hope to one day make it to Wrigley. I mean, the first time going to Fenway and, and every time, honestly, you just get cold chills even now. Like I've been to Fenway probably, we've been three different times to Boston, saw two or three games every time. So, you know, well, less than 10 times I've been, but every time it's just cold chills walking in because it's just, it's amazing. Just thinking about the history of that stadium. All right. So then moving along, what is uh, one of your favorite sports watching experiences? We had separate lists for live and TV, but I'll just take your one. Like that was the best time I had watching a game and you can include, I'm not, I'm not ruling anything out for you on this. Tell me, tell me your answer for that one. Um, probably, um, my first baseball game, I think just that experience, I can remember every, every, pretty much every little detail about that, that game. Um, and the detail that I always tell people is when I was walking out of the, 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 the ramp on into the field for the very first time, you know, you see stuff like this in movies all the time, but you don't really think it's actually going to happen to you. As I'm walking out of the ramp into the stadium, the, the soundtrack to the natural is playing. And, and it's like, I'll take bad practice. And I mean, and that song kind of gets me emotional in general. So in that moment, just, just walking out there and in the first inning, my favorite player hit a home run and it was just, it was amazing. You know, like that, that whole experience. Where, where was it? What, what game? What, what it was Camden. It was Camden yards. It was Orioles versus Texas Rangers. Uh, you know, I think you brought this up last time I was on the podcast. I was a Jose Canseco fan, you know, <laughs> a lot of people back then were Jose Canseco fans. <laughs> you have to defend yourself about being a Jose fan. We thought he, he just lifted weights a lot. We didn't know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he had a home run in the first inning and the ball came very close to me actually. Um, and uh, and it was just amazing. The whole experience, you know, we we did a little bus trip going up there, and you know, as a, I was ten years old and going up there, I mean, it's just it's one of those things that you imagine for years before it actually happens, and then you go, and it's, it was great. Um, I will say that probably my my most memorable moment of a game that I was ever at uh, happened a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife and I went to Boston, um, and it was the game where Giancarlo Stanton, there was Yankees Red Sox. Giancarlo Stanton hits a home run to the green monster and the fan catches the ball on the green monster and throws it back on the field and hits Giancarlo Stanton as he's rounding second. It was all over sports center. We were at the game. I started yelling like crazy. People around me were just had their heads down because he had just hit a home run. And then they start showing the replay again and again. And then you saw all over media. I mean, it was, it was crazy to be there for that moment that is, you know, now it just comes up all the time on, yeah. you know, randomly on social media that people show it. It's pretty cool. Uh, I, has anybody this past, I guess it was two weeks ago, I told the story. Has anybody asked you about peeing beside the road? Because that's the story I told weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking more live experiences, but yeah, that was a pretty, pretty No, neat. you're fine. <laughs> Both those other ones are better anyway, but I was just, yeah, I, I, I told that story and uh, 
I, I watched my wording and then listening back, I was like, I don't know. Steve might catch some some heck for this one, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it is funny. All right. You know, these moments of sports just kind of stick out in your mind. I remember when we when we beat uh, UVA last or two years ago to keep the streak alive, and we probably shouldn't have. Um, and yeah. you know, they, they had that fumble recovery at the end to seal the deal. And my wife had the camera out and recorded my reaction to it. And I that I have for the rest of my life. So it's just kind of cool how sports gives you those memories um, that you'll just hang on to forever. All right. Well, uh, that was all great answers. Um, if you could trash Long John Silvers before we get out of here, that'll help me. Don't, you don't need to do <laughs> well, that. There's I no reason maybe, to lie. <laughs> maybe in middle school was the last time I had Long John Silvers. <laughs> I wa- Are you still <laughs> sick from it? Are you still experiencing the, the aftershocks? Oh, it's been that long. So, I mean, you're talking, what, 25 years ago? But it's weird. I drove by there a couple weeks ago, and it's just slammed. It is slammed because it's delicious, and they speak fish. I love it. They got nowhere to go. They can stay at home on the toilet. They have nowhere to go. Oh, it's so great. That telling you, you haven't lived in the last 25 years if you haven't had that fried fish. Uh, Well, live much longer if you had it. I don't want to. All right, Cassius. <laughs> thanks for thanks for coming on here with us and I'm sure we'll have you on again and uh hopefully there's sports happening next time we have you on again and we can talk about that. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks guys. Appreciate it. And thanks again to Steve for coming on and talking to us. Um I hope the listeners enjoyed the marching band conversation as much as I did. Gosh, I'm telling you. I love that. I wish we could do it more often, but I fear that we put our listeners to sleep um no i I mean in the least though like i'm not mr marching band. i have a lot of respect for marching band i was i was part of it in high school so i very well aware of it plus i'm best friends with steve cash so i i yeah talked to him about his job but um i think just hearing the logistics of what all these decisions i have to go through and and like i said during the interview like applying that across the board to everything that's going on in these school it just it's just hard to wrap your head around all this and uh yeah, it's it's tough, and I, I think the news has just obviously we're gonna have to be adjusting to new things this fall. That's for sure. So great times. Well, let's talk <laughs> about our stadiums. Um, that's what we're gonna do this week. Our favorite stadiums that we've been to and have experiences in, and all that. Um, my list is just the stadiums. It looks like you have particular events. I got stories, man. I, I mean, I'm here for the stories. Oh, my gosh. All right. Well, we hope you enjoy this two-hour special of the X-Sports podcast. So, Leland, with that being said, go ahead and kick it off here with either honorable mentions or uh, if you want to just start into the top five. I'll, I'll slide the honorable mentions in at the appropriate time. Uh, but my, the one I have on the list here, and I, these aren't necessarily in some kind of order. There's just five different ones that I want to talk about. So the first one I want to talk about, PNC Park. You just heard Steve mention it when uh, he talked about Fenway and then immediately thought of PNC because that's why that PNC is that awesome. It's a new ballpark they built, I think, around 03, and it it has the old feel. And then the skyline of Pittsburgh is right there. You can see those yellow bridges sticking up or, or the one yellow bridge, the Clemente Bridge right there. It's just a great ballpark. I've been there three times Uh in 04, in 06, and then in 09, that's where we went for my bachelor party that Steve planned. And it's just a great ballpark. So many funny stories from that place. Um, Rob has been with me there on two of those trips. 
Um, it's just, it's good. Steve, Steve's been on all those trips that I went on. So it, it's just the great ballpark. Dan uh, went with on two of them. And then the, the bachelor party was a big group of guys, but I love that place. We saw pool holes hit a home run there. Um, I always try to remember those, you know, those all timer pool holes is an all timer guy. Like that's one of those guys we'll still be talking about a long time from now. He's very talented. He, he hit a home run there. So I got to see a pool host home run. Um, and I pretty, I, I remember it pretty well. It's kind of surprising. I defied odds there. So, uh, yeah, PNC, one of my favorite stadiums that I've been to, my favorite baseball stadium. Wow, that's sad. Uh, my favorite baseball stadium is Camden Yards. Um, and sad. Like, what? <laughs> Your opinion is sad. Um, <laughs> Meanwhile, my favorite's Camden. Yeah, my favorite's Camden. Um, the, where, awesome. the warehouse is great. There's... I mean, many have tried to copy it since, um, and uh, yeah, the Padres. Um, there's other there's other teams that have tried to model stadiums after Camden Yards with the Camden Yards kind of feel, um, not necessarily with warehouses, but I, I love the warehouse backdrop. It's one of the only nice places in Baltimore, um, so <laughs> that's cool too. And baseball stadium in the, in the aquariums, all we got. Baseball stadium, the football stadium is across the street, and yeah, the Inner Harbor. If you're not in those areas, be careful. Um, I've been around, I've walked around Baltimore. I did find some other places that are like not stabby, but um, just be careful. So, to talk about Camden Yards, though, and I guess the experiences I've had there, again, I've talked about it the past few weeks. How many times have you gone there? I don't know. Six? I honestly don't have a count. I've been a lot. Um, I don't have a count. Um, The first time I was real little, I saw him play the Mariners. King Griffey Jr. played. So that was cool. Um, I've seen Nomar Garcia Parra and the Red Sox play the Orioles there. I've seen Jeter and the Yankees. I've seen... Did you hate Jeter? Why was that memorable to you? Well, I'm just... for you know. Jeter's so overrated. He's such a terrible... Yeah, for all the the people who love... (laughs) average well i'm sorry that's offensive to average below average defenders play um, i mean i don't like him but you just he's a below down. average defender facts he's a below average defender um but i what else do i expect from a fan base that praises some fat slob from the 19 teens as the greatest player of all time so it makes sense that we're going to praise a guy who makes the routine look spectacular. Um, yeah. Um, because the podcast is going to go on, I'm just going to leave that alone this time. There'll be other opportunities for me to bite back at that. That's fine. But yeah, um, I've also seen the Orioles beat the Yankees in playoff in a playoff game there. I've seen the Orioles lose a playoff awesome. game there, which was depressing, but um, it was fine. And um, if you ever go- get to go, look, it's expensive. But if you ever get to go before a game, uh, Dempsey's restaurant there in the warehouse is is pretty cool to go to. Uh, it's it is a little pricey, but it's it's kind of a cool experience to eat in yeah. the warehouse and then just walk into the stadium after. Uh, that's, we had that that's at PNC one time. We there was an Outback in left field, Outback Steakhouse, and uh, we went and ate it. And after the game, mm-hmm. it was really cool to watch them clean up the field and then like shut it down. Like it was that was, those restaurants and stadiums are awesome. Uh, the next stadium I'm going to mention is Lane Stadium, um, and that's just because I'm going to steal it from Leland. Um, <laughs> but 
obviously, uh, it's another stadium I've been going to since I was a very little kid. I talked about it uh, where my grandfather took me, and then Leland looked up the schedule to make sure I was right on which year, uh, which was helpful. But I, I've seen, you know, the Vic years. I've seen the Druckenmiller years. I've seen the Al Clark years. Uh, it's I, I've seen many years since. Um, but so many fond memories in that building of Tech beating Miami, beating UVA, beating JMU. Some sad memories of losing to Miami, losing to JMU. <laughs> um, it, you know, ups and downs for sure at that stadium. But it's it's so many great memories. I saw Virginia Tech beat West Virginia in what had been the last matchup for them until the FedEx game uh, where they played at Lane Stadium. And it was the last year that Virginia Tech was in the ACC. Or the, I'm sorry, the Big East before they went to the ACC because I remember – the Virginia Tech fans chanting ACC at WVU as we beat them, which <laughs> was hilarious. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, it's a it's a great stadium. It's loud uh, and Man, so loud. It, it's so much fun. I mean, that's that's my favorite stadium, and I and I saw it on your list, so I just I didn't use it as one of mine. I did a little research because of College Football Reference being so easily to use. I believe I've been to eighty eight. Uh, Virginia Tech games, uh, 68 in Lane Stadium. And uh, so it, it, I have, I actually made a little sheet with like all the games I've been to uh, there because it was easy off that website. Um, but so many good memories there. And, and the big games primarily like when I was in college. But my first college football game I ever went to was in Lane Stadium, uh, September 27th, 1997. Watched Ken Oxendine and, and uh, Clark, you know, take on the, uh, formidable Arkansas state team there and beat them 50 to nothing. That was my introduction to live college football. Um, my second game was in Charlottesville and Virginia tech wasn't involved. So, uh, then, then you can see where my fandom has been. So, um, it, it tells, it tells the story right there. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So then I, my next statement I want to talk about too, I went to when Virginia tech played at LSU in 07, I, Flew down there. We woke up at oh, like three or four in the morning, got to Richmond, got on a plane on Saturday morning, went down there, caught the very tail end of game day from a distance, tailgated, partied. Everybody warned us about these fans being just mean. They're mean at LSU. Everybody was super nice. You might have someone yelling tiger bait, tiger bait up in front of your face. And then they offer you like all the beer and food you can have from their tailgate area. We had these parents, that daughter was in the, not the dance team for LSU, but those SEC teams have like the part dancing, part baton twirling girls. I don't know what they're called, but their daughter was one of them. And when they had a pep rally in the basketball stadium, which is right next to the football stadium, they invited us in, which was free food and drinks. It was an awesome experience. They have this live tiger right outside the stadium in the nicest cage possible. I mean, like Mike the Tiger, top zoo in the country quality. Uh, it's just so intimidating to just see that tiger standing there in front of you. We go in the stadium and we get creamed. <laughs> we were sitting I say, up. Do you think they were nice because they knew that was coming? They knew Sean I did, Glennon. I didn't know that was coming. As they well. knew they knew Sean Glennon didn't have a prayer. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was something. Yeah, I got to saw I got to see Tyrod's first snaps because uh, they had to pull pull Tyrod in that, or pull uh, Sean Glenn in that game. Yeah. Uh, but we were sitting up in the clouds really <laughs> for that one. It's such an impressive stadium. They closed in one of the sides now, but uh, 
just that I if that's not on your list of stadiums to go to if you're a college football fan, it should be because that place on a Saturday night. It was something and the tailgate. I mean, I think Virginia Tech, the tailgating is great at Virginia Tech, but it ain't it ain't LSU. It ain't Baton Rouge. And the stadium at at Virginia Tech is great. It's my favorite. I think it means a lot to have 66,000 people be just as loud as what that hundred thousand is doing in Baton Rouge. So I I, put that's why Lane Stadium means more to me. But that Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night, man, it's a rocking. So uh, it's a cool place. That was a very cool place to go. My next one on my list is going to be Candlestick. I went there for a baseball game in 1996, July 2nd, actually. And that was my first baseball game I ever went to. I went to two that summer. I then visited Camden later that summer, and that was my second baseball game. But Candlestick, San Francisco was the first. I saw Barry Bonds hit his 23rd home run that year. Um, And that was like a really cool thing because Barry Bonds was a big-time player at that time. And, uh, and, And obviously since then. So... Uh, that was big, and uh, I wasn't a big Barry Bonds fan, but knowing that he was a Hall of Fame caliber player, he, he I got to see him hit a home run, so that was cool. And uh, it was cold in July, sitting down there on the bay in San Francisco, um, but remembering what Candlestick looked like, and and you know watching the football team still play there for years after, I was always remembering where I sat compared to the football field. But yeah, that was a very cool experience, and uh, you know that's one of those that like you can't revisit again because they're not playing there anymore. I think it's probably destroyed. I, I, say, I, I don't actually, think the stadium sure. exists. Yeah, I don't think it exists yeah. anymore. Um, but also, like, getting to a baseball game in San Francisco, like, I don't know if I'll ever get that chance again. So that was that was a cool experience for me when I was 12 years old. So, Yeah, I've never been. Um, the current stadium I have heard nice things about, so that's on my yep. bucket list. But Steve has been to – Steve Oracle. went to a football game, bowl game, when Virginia Tech played there. He played in that bowl – he went to that game – and watch the Virginia Tech play football in that stadium. Oh, I don't think I'd want to do that, but <laughs> um, January or December. <laughs> yeah, that was the Cal game, wasn't it? Uh, no, Cal game was down in Arizona. We played like that Air wasn't Force. Was the San Francisco there? Nut Bowl? I thought the San Francisco Nut Bowl was. Aaron Rodgers lit us up. We were in like we were in the baseball stadium in in Arizona. Oh, the Insight.com Bowl. You're right. Wow, that's when our field goal kicker couldn't. Not only couldn't he not kick field goals, he couldn't keep the ball inside the field on kickoffs. Yeah, that was a special yep. year. Um, my next stadium is going to be a baseball stadium. It's the ballpark at Arlington slash Globe Life Park. Um, it's now a, well, was a football stadium, and now I think the city of Arlington is still trying to find something to do with it other than tear it down because they'd like to keep using it since it's been built. But um I've had a lot of fun memories there with my buddy in Texas and my brother and even uh, my buddy's dad. Uh, I've been there, gosh, three or four times. Um, Well, three or four years, multiple times each time I've gone. But I've seen the O's have big comebacks. I've seen the O's get shellacked. Uh, (laughs) I was there the year the O's should have been selling at the deadline, and they inexplicably were buying at the deadline. Uh, and then, of course, we still didn't make the playoffs because we were never going to make the playoffs as Chris Tillman's ERA was somewhere above nine. Um, and he was our ace. But, yeah, it, I've had a lot of good memories there. I've seen Adrian Beltre hit his 3,000th hit there. Uh, it, it's a fun ballpark. Uh, they don't have it anymore. Obviously, th- this next year was going to be the year they moved to the new park, which looks, I mean, I, the outside might not be as appealing as people hope on social media, apparently, but I am excited. Uh, the pictures from the inside look good. And, um, 
it's going to be indoors. So the thought of not losing 10 pounds watching a baseball game in the middle of July in Texas sounds fun to me. So I, I can't wait to go to that one and make memories at the new park with my buddy and brother and whoever else joins us on these baseball games. But I think it's going to be cool. And uh, I, I would also say if they have a Cholula hot sauce section, don't in the new park. <laughs> we did do that once at the old park. We did it once. It was the worst in stadium food experience I've had. <laughs> All right. What you got next? My next one is the Verizon center. I think that's what it's still called. Um, I've been to Wizards and Caps games there. Uh, I have a lot of fun when I go. Um, I've seen shootouts. I've seen overtimes. I've seen... Capital One Arena. Capital One Arena. Okay. My apologies to Capital One. I'm sure they paid a and lot of money. most DC people still call it the MCI Center. So Yeah. that's I, I know. That's why I thought I was safe with the Verizon Center. I was like, okay, no, it used to be called MCI, but now it's Verizon. I think I'm safe. So it is Capital One Arena, whatever. Um, but yeah, I've seen I've seen the Caps win in overtime the last time I went, uh, which was this year. I saw, or I guess the end of 2019. But I saw a shootout the year or two years before that, where they beat the Maple Leaves. I I've seen them get killed by the Atlanta Thrashers, which was upsetting. Uh, back when the Atlanta Thrashers were a hockey team. And I've seen the Wizards lose, I think, two times in that arena. So um, I, I, there's not a bad seat in that place. Even if you're sitting near the top, you're going to be able to see what's going on. And I, I have a good time when I go. It's a lot of fun. So I highly recommend it if you are into basketball or hockey. All right, so my next stadium I'm going to talk about is Heinz Field. I've been there twice, once for an NFL game, once for a college game. I went there for the NFL game in 05 uh, and watched the Steelers play. Um, I was, you know, that was Ben Roethlisberger um, two years after a Super Bowl and a year before they were going to another one. So I was really hoping to see him play. Of course, he was hurt. It was one of those, you know, singular games that Ben's hurt and then he comes in the next game and he toughs it out the injury. Um, so I, we missed him there, but, uh, it was a 23, 17 loss to the Jaguars. And at that time, the Jaguars stunk like the Jaguars usually do. And so it was pretty embarrassing. Uh, but I had third row 50 yard line tickets, which were sweet. Uh, and so I always remember that game and the NFL atmosphere. there really, really, really good. Um, the other time I went there was actually before that was in 03 Virginia tech played up there, um, against Pittsburgh. Uh, Marcus Vick was our quarterback. We sat up in the end facing the river, looking at the big scoreboard. And that wind coming off the river was crazy. We had just beat Miami. That was that big Miami game that we had beat them uh, like a week or two before that. And uh, we go up to Pittsburgh and we lose. But I do. I always remember that game. The whole time the guys around us, Pittsburgh fans, are just railing us about Marcus Vick and just 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 won't let it go. Marcus ain't as good as brother. And I'm not going to defend that Marcus Vick had much positive things to say about him. But in that game, when Kevin Jones broke the Russian record for Virginia tech, Marcus Vick came around the outside as a lead blocker on one of the runs and laid a guy out, laid like a defensive end out or outside linebacker out. And uh, yeah, that guy didn't say much. The one particular guy didn't say much about Marcus Vick after our, our quarterback laid out their defender 
uh, blocking around the outside. But yeah, we ended up losing that game because we, I think we threw it to Hamilton at the end of the game, who was not a star player that we should be throwing to. Um, but yeah, that, that stadium, I love the Steelers. I don't love when our college football team goes and plays there because it usually doesn't go well. Um, but very cool stadium, nice new. I love what they have in Pittsburgh. They already talked about PNC. They're right next to each other with parking lots between them. Um, and they're right there on the river. And you're looking across the river to that point from the downtown area. It's just, I, I love going to Pittsburgh to watch a game. Um, and I'll, I'll go back sometime. I don't, I don't know how soon we're going to watch sporting games. But when we, when we do, that would be a place high on my list to go back to is go to Pittsburgh and go to either one of those uh, ballparks. Uh, then my last stadium I get to talk about, um, which I will hold up for a second because I want to talk about some of my honorable mentions. My number one, or the last one I talk about is the Sugar Bowl, but you can't talk about the Sugar Bowl without talking about my experience at the George Dome because they're both just big domes. And so George Dome, an honorable mention. We'll get back to the Sugar Bowl. But FedEx I've been to, UNC, Wake, Martinsville, all of those. I, I don't like UNC. I don't like Wake. But I love how college football have these different stadiums that aren't just cookie cutter, that have character. I love those about that. And then Martinsville, being at that racetrack, I never, I've never been to another NASCAR race. I don't know what to compare it to. But to be able to sit in that spot and watch the entire racetrack was a really cool thing. And plus the camping right outside, I wanted to bring that up. But getting back to the Sugar Bowl. Uh, well, 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 that, well, well, yep, yep, hit me. Hit me on my honorable mentions. I haven't been to UNC or the Georgia Dome yet. Um, I have been to Wake Stadium. I saw Wake Forest lose to Miami. Uh, I had a buddy went went to Wake Forest, and I went to a game there. It was BB&T. Now I think it's this year is changing to Truist uh, Stadium, which is I last still had it listed as BB&T, yeah. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a fun little stadium actually. Um, yeah, the walk in. It's Winston Salem's, and that campus is actually a very beautiful campus, but. It's, it's small. It's, it is. It can, it's that's small, what the, <laughs> but yeah, it's cool. I like the I like the yeah. field house right there behind the one end zone. Uh, I had a good time there. The people were nice. Um, that being yeah. said, I was also their fans are super nice because they. I was also anybody at anything. Not rooting for Miami, so I mean, that helped. <laughs> I'm sure, but uh, Martinsville, I have a fun time there too. When I go, I've been to I think three different races there. Uh, it's it's either been hot to the point where I've wanted to die from the heat or there was one time it was snowing. So oh wow. no in-betweens at Martinsville for me. <laughs> I've been to FedEx to watch Virginia Tech play a couple times. Did you see the Boise game? No, I saw the Cincinnati. I, I guess it was only once I've been to FedEx. I went to see him lose to Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, that was depressing. Uh, yeah. I hated it. Also, that stadium definitely... Look, FedEx want to change their naming rights. Fine. I'd say burn the stadium down if that happens. Um, I don't know. I, they they're definitely tr- need a new stadium. They're trying to get moved. They need to get moved because that stadium could not be in a worse place. Landover, Maryland stinks. Talk about Nivy. Um, or Stabby. Stabby was the word you had, didn't you? <laughs> Stabby. Landover, Maryland. I don't know. I didn't get out of the car in Landover, Maryland, but... <laughs> I just, oh my gosh, you're, there's no, there's one way in and one way out of the stadium. And that's how you design a stadium. If you want a nightmare. Yeah, it's terrible. All right. But on to a better experience, uh, the sugar bowl in new Orleans. Uh, I know Virginia tech lost when, when I went to that game in 06, uh, but that was my first bowl game experience. My first new Orleans experience. 
But the Sugar Bowl, just a walk into a building that big, that magnitude, be indoors with that many people, which sounds like a nightmare these days. It was just, I don't know. It's just one of those memories I'll always have. I think I just, your my hair stands up on end thinking about that environment, the noise that was produced in that building. And when you had both fan bases yelling at the same time, like at the beginning of the game, it was just really awesome. We, we played that game tough and had a chance to win it against Auburn. Um, just didn't get it done, but it was just one heck of experience. I would go back to a sugar bowl. Now Virginia tech would have to be playing and it would probably need to be a national championship, but I would go back for that stadium. I don't really care for the city. I, and this was pre Katrina. I, I thought the city was dirty and I, I'm not saying I didn't have a good time at the time, but I wouldn't rush back. But that Georgia Dome was an impressive building or Georgia Dome Sugar Bowl uh, building was so impressive. And uh, it's, it's just one of those stadiums. I'll never forget the feeling of being inside that stadium. I've never been, but yeah, I've heard. I like watching the Sugar Bowl on TV. I'll leave it at that. Um, I'm okay if I don't go to the Sugar Bowl, but the the last game I'll mention is the Cowboys Stadium, uh, Jerry World. That's a nice stadium. You can uh all you want. It's a nice stadium on the inside. Um, I toured it actually. I didn't see a game there, but I toured it in the off season. The the game I went to there uh, was uh, Monday night football between the Cowboys and the then Redskins, um, and, and it happened as I moved in my buddy. Uh, to Texas. Uh, we moved him in that weekend. The Cowboys were playing the Redskins on Monday night. He had tickets. He said, look, if you help move me in, I'll get you a ticket. I said, okay. We sat next to each other, uh, and his dad sat with us, and we had a good time. And Colt McCoy, it was the game where Colt McCoy played for the Redskins in Cowboys Stadium and then led him led the Redskins to beat the Cowboys because Tony Romo had a back injury and Dallas was chasing a playoff spot and they played him instead of going to, I believe John Kitna was the backup at the time. So they decided to risk Tony Romo's health in pursuit of a a playoff chase. They got neither. They didn't get a win and they got eliminated from the playoffs, probably because they didn't get the win against Colt McCoy and the Redskins. I just, whenever you reference the Cowboys, I just remember that, one of the first times you and I were talking about fandoms and you mentioned, well, I used to like the Cowboys. I just, I lost so much respect for you in that moment that I, I just can't handle this here. You can talk about Cowboys. It's a nice stadium. If you take that ugly star away from it, um, it's, it's a, it's a heck of a building and it gets it just being, I was in there for not even a game. I was doing a tour, a guided tour, which was really cool for a guy that is, that's in construction that cares about architecture. Just being in there with no people and seeing that giant screen in the middle of that field it 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 gives you a feeling and it, it's a it's a heck of a building i just i just hate the cowboys i can't stand them no. jerry jones Ugh. weird okay well <laughs> that will do it for us here on the c block we'll move into the d block here on the yak sports podcast now we're back here on the yak sports podcast for the d block let's get into what is dominating our lives and what we know that you need to know. I'll start. What's been dominating my life? Gotten back into in a sportsless world, you got to find things to do. And uh, I'm a big, we didn't, one of the things that has been axed and maybe we'll try to re record is our top five video games that aren't sports related. 
but one of those would be the Civilization series for me, and I, the latest installation of it. I played it a year or two ago and then stepped away, and I got back into it. Civilization VI. Um, it's, it's a fun game if you're into political political stuff and kind of a Sim City vibe with the latest expansion that was on sale, so I got that and added it to it. Uh, basically, that adds the climate change aspect to the game in the later rounds. After the industrialization, you start adding the CO2 levels, and the natural disasters become more frequent and more disastrous. So, like, the blizzard that comes and wipes out uh, a unit or two when I'm fighting a war with barbarians in the north, uh, those become more frequent, more deadly. The floods in the rivers happen more frequently, and unless you get really high tide walls, I haven't had the sea levels rise yet, but apparently if I don't start building some tide walls, I might lose a city or two. So <laughs> that's going to be fun. Um, but, yeah, I, hey, I enjoy people, the game. Sometimes people have to die for, for civilizations to move forward. You know? Yeah, and look, I'm not going to lie. There is one of the cities that is expendable. But the other one would be my capital, which would be kind of a big deal. Luckily, this is a video game. Yes, it's a video game. These are digital people, not real people. What is dominating your life, though, Leland, before I start telling everyone how expendable my digital people are? (laughs) My uh, daughter is learning how to read, and uh, she's coming along great, uh, going into second grade. So she's really, really able to read good things now you know and and it's not just uh see tom see tom and dog you know it's it's a lot better stuff and uh what's been interesting is my wife had her old american girl dolls um that uh you know they used to be made by the pleasant company or whatever and they're really expensive and now i think mattel has them and they're a little more affordable and stuff but the doll that my daughter's been playing with recently um is Addie and um she is a uh, black doll and she is her story. Uh, that's what these dolls, each of them have a story. They have books that are based off of them. You know, she is growing up during the civil war. Uh, she sees her father and brother sold at auction. She escapes slavery with her mother. And, um, and then it follows her life, at, you know, growing up and making a life after finding freedom, which is just really, really cool stuff. And, and what I've really took away from this is, you know, these are difficult situations for any of us to understand. You know, like we we haven't grown up with stories like this in entertainment or in our textbooks, really. I mean, it mentions stuff I've just said, but this is a book, you know, telling stories and, and you know, day in the life situations for this Addie uh, character. And, you know, it's a difficult situation for any of us to imagine. And here's my seven year old reading about it and comprehending it. And it's, it's really something to see there. You know, it's really um I, I appreciate that we're able to expose her to this topic in a more in-depth way, um, the history of this, that, you know, you don't know what the textbooks necessarily say, or, or, and we're not in the classroom, so we don't necessarily know what's being taught there. So I think um, I like that we're able to do this for her. And um, it's just cool that that this company had this doll, you know, when my wife was young, that they were they were thinking about the importance of teaching this history to young young people and um, I, I think it's cool. So I, I just wanted to mention that, um, you know, every other week I've talked about uh, recent weeks, I've talked about other um, topics to like, expand our mind on the Black Lives Matter movement and, and everything like that. Um, and this is just a, coming from a different angle here with my daughter involved and, and she's reading. She's the one doing it. I'm, I'm just listening to some stories. And um, 
yeah, it's really interesting and um, cool for her to learn in this way. All right, then on to what I know that you need to know. Uh, two baseball topics, and we, we touched on baseball getting started up. I went down a rabbit hole. I'll talk about that in a second. I like these inter-squad practices they're having, that they're televising. The regional networks are showing these scrimmages, inter-squad oh, scrimmages they? for their team. Well, and I've seen a lot of are. highlights on Twitter, especially. 29 of them are. <laughs> Well, a lot of the other teams are. And what I'm taking away from that is these guys are bashing home runs off their teammates, and they're throwing bats, and they're watching the home run. That's their teammate that they're doing that off of. And and there's everybody's all right. No one's crying. No one's feelings are hurt that bad. It just drives home the point that why can't these guys have a little more character when the actual games are happening? When you hit one off an opponent – and you throw your bat to the side. I, I just, I don't get worked up about these bat flips. I don't see, if you don't want to see him bat flip, then don't give him a pitch that he can hit 420 feet. I, I just, I just always come back to that. I've liked seeing the emotion out of these players, especially since they've been gone. We should have had a half season already of them playing baseball. And here they are finally get to see him on a television screen and they have some emotion. I like it. I just like it. And I wish, I wish we could just see it in the normal game. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, but look, it's the same reason that we are dealing with the streaming issues that we're dealing with or uh, the blackout restrictions and all that. Um, it's because dinosaurs still are very prevalent in the game of baseball and they don't want to let go of, I don't know, the way the game is supposed to be played. If you show character or emotion, that's somehow bad for the game of baseball. I don't know. Um, again, yeah. it's old people. They don't understand young people and that's why their sport's going to die. But Anyway, uh, yeah, it would be cool if the Orioles were one of the teams that you could stream on, even if it was just on social media. But they they won't because um, they're the only team that hasn't figured out how to get these inter-squad games on there. Instead, you have to follow along with the mass and beat reporters who are putting it on Twitter, and then you can't see it. While I read that Chris Davis has struck out, you know, 12 times in the (laughs) inter-squad games or whatever. but Maybe he has some emotion after his strikeouts, you know? Yeah, I would love to see it, um, <laughs> but he doesn't. I've seen him strike out plenty of times before. He just looks up at the sky and then walks back into the dugout and goes, yeah, check still cashes, so we're good. Acceptance, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, other, the other thing with baseball that I wanted to dive into real quickly is I, I went down a rabbit hole of, like, um, just highlight after highlight of 9-3 putouts, and that's when a batter hits it to right field and he mm-hmm. throws it to first base to throw the runner at first. Gotcha. I. I love it. It's like, it's just what I'm here for. I want to see that whenever it can happen. Um, you know, we talk about hitting for the cycle or this. I mean, just that you don't see the nine, three put out very often. And it's just special when you do my buddy, Travis, who I played baseball with through high school, still friends with him today. Sadly, um, we lost a baseball game cause he got put out on a nine, three. And, uh, it's one of those things that I, I at least was the good friend that didn't drive it home on him immediately after it happened. I just, Oh, it was tough to watch, but man, that nine three out something to see. Oh. Nope, I can't ever say. I don't know. That would be hard for me to accept. If an Oriole, if I was watching a game, and an Oriole hitter was the victim of a nine to three putout, I gotta be honest. I don't know how I would react. I, I honestly hope it doesn't happen while I'm at a game because I don't know how I'm gonna react. It would not be look good. it up. There's 
There's it would like a be, YouTube eight minute video with like a compilation of like all the modern ones. Uh, you should watch it. It's it's I fun. I don't know. It would be similar to my reaction when Freddie Bynum. The Orioles were. This was in the dark ages. Uh, I was in college and I had gone. This could have been a Camden story, I guess. This is what I know that you need to know now. Um, but I uh, went with some friends from college and we went to Camden Yards. One of them had a place to stay in Bowie at some country club or something. It was it was really nice. Anyway, we uh, we went to an Orioles game that Sunday. It was the same Sunday that John Isner and I believe his opponent was Mahut from Hungary had that marathon Wimbledon match. Oh um, yeah. Nope. That's not right. It's the Federer, uh, Federer Nadal marathon match at Wimbledon. It was Wimbledon and it was their marathon match, uh, for the final that was going on. And because they were super into that and I was too, I like Wimbledon. Uh, it's probably the only tennis tournament I actually watch, but then it was time to go to the game and we were going to the game and they were following on the phone and making comments like, Oh my gosh, why did we stop watching? And I was at that point, I started to get annoyed. Um, I knew two of the guys well enough to talk to them about it. And then the other ones I didn't. So I didn't, but the one was like, Oh my gosh, I wish we had stayed." it was one of the guys I knew. I was like, I don't because I'm going to watch baseball and I much prefer baseball than watching tennis on TV. Anyway, it was a Sunday day game. The Orioles had lost like 12 Sunday days games in a row at home and so the Orioles were doing a promotion if you were in attendance and the Orioles won a Sunday home game you got free tickets to another home game that wasn't Yankees or Red Sox or something um and the Orioles were leading they were playing the Texas Rangers they were leading and there was a routine ground ball hit to the shortstop Freddie Bynum for the Orioles he picks up the baseball and throws it into the stands then the Rangers ended up scoring later that inning, taking the lead, and they then won the game. I stood up and screamed at Freddie Bynum like I have never screamed at someone at a baseball game before or since. <laughs> and the gentleman next to me was, he's a member of Young Life at the time, and <laughs> so he, he's, he looks at me and goes, <laughs> honestly, this was his exact words, Joe, I think he's trying his best. <laughs> and I said, I don't give a bleep if that's his best or not. He just threw my free tickets into the bleachers. And after that, we hung out a few more times, but I think he didn't want to watch sporting events around me ever again, which is fair. Um, but yeah, I did I not... It's ruined Freddie Bynum for life for me. I can't hear the name Freddie Bynum and not remember that. That's all I remember about Freddie Bynum. That knee sucked. Which I guess awesome. is the same thing. But anyway. That's a great great Camden story. <laughs> you can close this out now. So next week we're recording our 100th episode. So make sure you guys tune in next week as uh, we will. We're still going to talk about some sports next week because sports are finally getting going. So we're not going to just be absent of that. But we're hoping to at least have some other special conversations next week and some uh, some other stuff. But make sure you're following us at Yak Sports Pod on Twitter or Facebook or email us at yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can always subscribe so you don't miss a podcast whenever we drop it because this week was later. Some weeks were earlier. We're always around Tuesday. But if you subscribe on Podbean, Apple, Google, or Spotify, you won't miss an episode. And uh, make sure you tune in next week. We got the big 100th episode milestone. We've we've made it through 100 of these without 
quitting on each other. We'll see if we can get to yeah. 101 after Leland, next week. Leland's threatened twice that I can remember, <laughs> but we've made it to 100. I, I brought this podcast into this world. I can take it out. So listen to us next week. Thank you. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.